Well, good morning, everyone. And thank you, team, for leading us into worship so well. And I trust you've sensed God's presence as we've uh, shared together. And, and I guess my prayer, really, as, as I continue, is that you'll continue to uh, listen to what God's Spirit may be saying to you this morning, how God may be present amongst us, uh, leading us as we uh, share in this time together with Him. Well, thank you again for having me here at uh, Freeway Baptist. It's, it's great to be here. My name's Ryan Smith. I'm uh, the State Director for, for Global Interaction uh, here in Victoria. And Global Interaction is the, um, the, uh, the mission arm, the global mission arm of the Baptist movement here in Australia. I come from uh, Kyneton in central Victoria. Um, uh, I'm a part of Kyneton Baptist Church and uh, married to Susie and we have three teenage kids, the oldest of whom is now 19. I dropped her off at the airport actually on the way here. She studies up at uh, University of Queensland so she's just headed back for second semester. Um, but it's great to be here this morning uh, with you guys. Always, uh, I, I'm always amazed at uh, how God is at work in different ways in different places and uh, I I very much enjoy coming to new churches or churches that I only visit now and again and uh, just seeing what God is doing and uh, I'm excited about what is happening here at Freeway Baptist. One of the things that, that I believe and, uh, and certainly it's what we believe at uh, Global Interaction is that the local church is central to the mission of God. Uh, and indeed to global mission. So uh, one of the things that I'm convinced of is that uh, God works through local churches like Freeway Baptist to be about his mission within the world. And certainly that happens on a local context. One of the reasons you are here, where you are in Chelsea, is that God may work through you um, in his mission to this area, to, to Chelsea and surrounds. But not only does God call us to our local area, um, you remember when Jesus was with his disciples at the end and he said to wait and they would be empowered with the Spirit and they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And God works through local churches like Freeway Baptist, not only in, our, in, in the local context that you're a part of, but he calls us to participate in God's mission right around the world as well. And so we don't see ourselves at, at Global Interaction as, as an agency that, to which mission uh, from a local church is outsourced, but we see ourselves as here to resource local churches like you so that you might be a, uh, engaged in effective global mission yourselves. So we see ourselves as here to resource you in that. And right at the beginning, I, wanna, I, I just want to recognise um, your support um, of, of the work that we are, as, a, as an Australian Baptist movement, involved in, in, in uh, South Asia. Um, with. Well, this morning I, I want to engage your imaginations for a moment. Okay, so are you feeling imaginative? Yes? Great. 
So I want you to imagine for a moment that you are the church in Rome in around AD 57, okay? So if it helps, you're all in togas, okay? Any young people here who don't know what that means? Anyway, you know those big white sheet things that the Romans used to wear? Probably didn't, but anyway. Put yourself in the picture, okay? You're the church at Rome. Now, it shouldn't be too hard, hopefully, because although Rome was the, the capital uh, of the Roman Empire, the church at Rome at this time wasn't actually that big. It wasn't a massive church. It was perhaps around 100 people, so maybe similar to here. Now, you're made up of a mix of different people, okay? Mostly you're, you're non-Jewish or what was termed Gentile people. And I, I reckon that would probably be the case here, yeah? But um, with a few Jewish people thrown in to the mix as well. Now, as followers of Jesus, you're definitely in the minority in Rome. And not everybody actually likes you. Now, that might be hard to imagine, okay? But not everybody likes you. But you're, you're excited about your faith in Jesus, Jesus has genuinely changed your lives. And you know that across the world a movement has begun of people, some of very different backgrounds to yourselves, who are also following Jesus, who have also had their lives changed by him. You can see God at work in a powerful way. The resurrection of Jesus is only a fairly recent thing, only about 30 years ago. And although there are many in your community who maybe laugh it off, you know that Jesus is alive. Every week there are answers to prayer amongst you. And every week there are new people coming and joining with you, the church at Rome. And so gathering together for prayer and worship and teaching is one of the highlights of your week. But I want you to imagine that on this particular day, right, this particular day, I won't say Sunday because it may not have been, you have a guest with you. Phoebe is one of the leaders from the church in Centria, from Greece, and she's travelled more than a thousand kilometres today to be with you. And she's, she's actually come to deliver a letter from the Apostle Paul to your church, the church at Rome. Now, the Apostle Paul is actually well known to you. Although he's never been to Rome and visited your church uh, specifically, and perhaps the majority of you have never met him, you're a well-travelled church and a good number of you have met Paul in other places. Some of you would say that the very reason you are a believer today is because of Paul's influence on you. Some of you are actually led to faith by Paul. 
And some of you even then went on and worked with him in ministry. A few of you are actually Paul's relatives and like Paul have had your lives turned upside down by Jesus. And for the rest of you, although you've never met Paul, you feel like you know him. You've followed his missionary career through the, through the news you've received and you've prayed for him. Well, this morning, for the last hour or two, you've listened closely as Phoebe from Centria has read this letter from Paul addressed to you, the believers in Rome. And now as you come towards the end of this letter, Paul is about to share some exciting news with you about a proposed visit to Rome, to you, and about an exciting possibility of partnering with him in mission. So we're going to have the Bible reading now, brought to you by Phoebe, a.k.a. Rose. And come on forward, Phoebe. (laughs) And uh, Rose is going to read this section of scripture and I want you to imagine that she's bringing it to you near the end of the letter and she's going to be sharing with you about this visit that's coming up. Thank you. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, Those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. That is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there. And I have enjoyed, after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Great, thank you. Now the letter to um, the church at Rome, or or Romans as we know it, uh, stands as one of the most influential documents of the early church. It's uh, the letter where Paul 
most fully outlines his theology of salvation as a gift uh, of God's grace through faith in Jesus. Some of you may know that it was while reading Romans that uh, Martin Luther, the reformer of the Protestant church, uh, had his light bulb, light bulb moment which, uh, which uh, set the wheels in motion for the Protestant Reformation and we're a, a part of that, that legacy. Romans has been a favourite of pastors and preachers who have spent years systematically working through this letter. But for all the rich theology, there is an argument to be made that this letter to the Roman church was actually a missionary support letter. You're familiar with missionary support letters? Yeah? Some of you would, would get them from, from uh, uh, cross-cultural workers overseas telling you about what's going on. Uh, in my role as state director, I, I read uh, many of these, multiple missionary prayer letters every week. Now, they're, they're not generally like this one here, but uh, nonetheless. But many scholars people much smarter than me, would say that one of the main reasons Paul wrote this letter was to seek support for a planned missionary journey to Spain. And it's in this section that Rose read to us in Romans 15 where Paul gets to the point. So, so I want to look at uh, these verses this morning which communicate Paul's call the places that he has taken him and a new opportunity that lies before him. And I want to kind of compare this story, uh, this to the story of the Australian Baptist movement as we've uh, followed God's call in global mission. And I think it's uh, very fitting with your topic for this month, God's story, our story, their story. I'm going to look at uh, Paul's story and how that kind of overlaps with the Australian Baptist movement's story as well. And what I want you to do as you listen today is I want you to pay attention to what God may be doing in you and ask the question, how does he want me, how does he want us to respond? Okay? So firstly, Paul's call. I have written, he says in verses 15 and 16, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. So Paul had this call from God to share the gospel amongst Gentiles or non-Jewish people. Um, This had come, some of you might remember, when Paul was on the Damascus Road. Remember that story when Paul is on the Damascus Road, he's actually going to Damascus because he wants to get hold of uh, Christian leaders and throw them into prison. So he's gone for a very different purpose and he's on his way there and suddenly he's, he has this, this vision, he's hit by this blinding light. You imagine he may have been on a, a horse and he's knocked off, I don't know if that's true or not, but... but God appears to Paul on the Damascus Road and, and Jesus issues this call to him and he goes into Damascus, meets a guy called Ananias who also has a vision from God and Ananias is told by God, he's told, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name 
before the Gentiles. So Paul had this, this clear call from God and it's a cross-cultural call. Cross-cultural call. Paul was a Jewish man and at the time of, of this conversion of Paul, Christianity was essentially a Jewish movement. So 99% of the followers of Jesus at this point were Jewish people. But Paul, as he reminds this church here in Rome, had been chosen by God to take the good news of Jesus beyond his own Jewish people and into the surrounding Gentile nations. And actually the book of Acts, if you read through the book of Acts, tells that story of the early church moving out from Jerusalem and Judea out to the ends of the earth. And of course, uh, this is a continuing story uh, which goes on through the church today. The story of the Australian Baptist movement on global mission started in 1885 with these five women. And I think I may have showed you this picture last time I was here. These five women back in 1885 were the first Australian Baptists to respond to the call to East Bengal, now Bangladesh, to share the gospel with people who had not yet had the opportunity to respond to Jesus. Can you imagine what it must have been like for these five women to obey that call to mission you know, over 130 years ago? They look fairly formidable in that picture, I think, no-nonsense kind of women. But actually, the reality is they were all just young women, all in their 20s, all single, going to a place on the other side of the world that they'd only heard of before. Now, I'm not sure what their call looked like. I'm not sure it was a bright light from heaven. It probably wasn't. But no doubt it was no less compelling for them to go to that place. What incredibly courageous young women these were. The first Australian Baptists to go overseas and serve. They became known as the five barley loaves from uh, a message that was given at their uh, commissioning service where the the preacher um, spoke on that passage of the five loaves and two fish and said, you know, uh, such little amongst so many, but God will bring the increase as, as they go. These women represent the beginnings of our call as Australian Baptists into global mission more than 130 years ago. And, you know, God has been faithful. Earlier this year, Global Interaction was invited to, to share the centenary celebrations of the Bangladesh, Bangladesh Baptist Church Fellowship and that's a picture from, from those celebrations. So um, a movement which today consists of more than 500 mostly Hindu background churches uh, which has flowed out of that work, those five women who went 130 years ago. And it's no longer dependent on us, that work, um, amongst the Hindu background people. So we give thanks to God for his faithfulness in building his church. Secondly, 
the places this call took Paul. From Jerusalem, Paul says, all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. So Paul understood his call, not only to the Gentiles generally, but specifically to those places where Jesus' name had not yet been proclaimed. And so far that's taken him on three missionary journeys and if you go to the back of your Bibles, you know, the map section, you'd be able to read of these missionary journeys there um, and get a sense of where it went, where where it took him. It's led him from um, Jerusalem, okay, so where are we? Jerusalem, down here in the east, all the way across here to Illyricum in Macedonia and all of these places in between where Paul's gone to share the gospel and uh, he's gone and planted churches in in places like Lystra and Derby, in Galatia, in in Corinth, in um, uh, Thessalonica and places that we read about in in our New Testament. So Paul's been a really busy guy and in fact all this ministry explains in verse 22 is one of the reasons he hasn't yet had time to visit the church at Rome. From the five barley loaves and the beginnings of the Australian Baptist Global Mission, um, Global Interaction has sent now more than a thousand cross-cultural workers into places like Papua New Guinea and Papua, India, Zambia and Zimbabwe. And we've seen many hundreds of thousands of people come to faith in Jesus through that. And in each of these places that you see here on the screen, uh, there are now thriving churches quite capable of reaching their own people without dependency on the Australian church. It's a great legacy of our work. Now, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, visit Assam in northern India where uh, Australian Baptists worked for around 20 years amongst three tribal groups, the Boro people, the Raba people and the Garo people. And I was invited to go and speak at uh, a church anniversary and that was early in my time with Global Interaction and, you know, I, I didn't really understand what I was going, going to. I thought maybe a, a few hundred people. There were 15,000 people there at that anniversary. That picture doesn't really do it justice but we're gathered there under, you know, these... Uh, huge sort of marquees and tarps and there's a stage at the front there. Um, Incredible, incredible. And there's more than 50,000 Boro Baptists alone and then there's the other two people groups, over 100,000 between the three people groups. And I've got to say that it does something to you when you are treated uh, like an honoured guest and a hero because of some distant link you have to the first people who bought the gospel to those people. It's pretty amazing stuff. Well, these are some of the places that the call of God has taken global interaction over the years. But next, Paul announces a new opportunity 
and a hope for partnership. He says, There is now no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. So here comes Paul's request. Paul believes he has fulfilled his responsibility in his former fields over there in the east. He shared the good news as far as he can in these places. But now he plans to go further afield to continue his mission to the Gentiles in Spain. And who's he going to lean on to help him in this mission to Spain? Well, the church at Rome, of course. And he's hoping that while passing through Rome, the church at Rome might assist him on his journey. You see, Paul was no lone ranger. He knew the value, indeed the necessity of partnership with the local church. No doubt this would have included material support, so finances to equip him and sustain him on this journey to Spain. No doubt it would have included prayer and encouragement. Most likely, if Paul's other missionary ventures were anything to go by, it would have also included people who would have joined him on his journey there. And so he presents this opportunity to the church at Rome. So what are the opportunities in Australian Baptist global mission today? You know, it's important to understand the changing landscape of world mission today. In Global Interaction's earlier days, so perhaps think a hundred years ago, the days of the five barley loaves and the years following that, mission was primarily a movement from the Western world into places like Asia and Africa. So it was missionaries going out into the depths of Africa with their pith helmets, you know, blazing uh, a new path. But global mission looks very different today. Did you know that there are now more Christians in Africa than there are in any other continent on earth. Isn't that amazing? And there are more Christians in Asia than there are in North America and Australia combined. In fact, the developing world is now sending out more missionaries by far than the Western world and many are coming to the Western world. Mission has very much turned reverse in our world today. Actually, do you know which country in the world currently sends missionaries to more countries on earth than any other? Who'd who'd like to have a guess? 
Someone said it. South Korea. South Korea sends out more cross-cultural workers, missionaries, uh, evangelists uh, to countries to, to countries around the world than, than any other country on earth. In fact, you could go to just about any country on earth that you're politically allowed to get into and you will find missionaries from South Korea there. So missions very much turning reverse. And it begs the question, I think, if, if global mission today is increasingly a movement from east to west, what is the role of the Australian church in global mission today? After all, we've got a fair bit on our doorstep here, haven't we, to be working at? Should global mission even be a priority now for the Australian church today? Well, around 20 years ago, um, Global Interaction made the decision to focus on least-reached people groups in global mission. You see, despite the reality that Christianity is now very much a global movement, still roughly today a third of the world's population do not have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus in a way which makes sense to them. So think about that for a moment. These people exist in least reached people groups where they will be born, go to school, get a job, go right throughout their lives without ever hearing the good news of Jesus in a way which makes sense to them. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But that is the reality today. Um, Still roughly a third of the world's, third of our world don't have uh, the scriptures in their own language and so there's organisations and mission organisations like Wycliffe and others who are seeking to, to address that. So rather than being whole countries and, and continents as it once was, uh, these people exist in people groups uh, groups of people who share a common language and culture who for one reason or other are isolated from the gospel. So global interaction is focused on eight least reached people groups in Asia and Africa. We've made it our ambition, to quote Paul, to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. Now, one of these people groups, as you know, uh, is the B people of South Asia. There you go, I've put the whole word up there. I shouldn't have done that, but anyway. <laughs> is the B people of South Asia, uh, who you, you partner with in supporting Phil. So, although Global Interaction has worked in this, this region for over 100 years, it has only been over the last 40 years or so that we have focused specifically on the B people. Okay? The B people are the largest, least reached Muslim people group in the world. Roughly 166 million people and less than 1% are followers of Jesus today. Now, although they are Muslim, in order to understand the B people, you need to have a very different picture in your mind to the kind 
of Middle Eastern Islam that you might see portrayed through your TV screens. Quite different to that. These people are some of, some of the poorest people in the world. In fact, three quarters of the population here in South Asia live on less than $2 a day. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine trying to live on $2? Three quarters of the population. And although their religion is important to them, most of their energy is invested in simply surviving. Now, around 30 years ago, our team, having discovered that more traditional methods of of church planting weren't working in reaching the bee people with the gospel, decided to embark on a new approach there. And so they moved out of the mission compound as we used to work, started living amongst the bee people, started working really hard on learning culture and language and started to ask the question, what might it look like for the bee people to follow Jesus as a bee person in ways relevant to their own culture and context? And to cut a long story short, what has birthed out of that was a a development organisation which is staffed now by more than 150 local bee people which is seeking to empower the rural poor in South Asia and it's amazing the work that is going on there. So the way we do this is through teaching uh, basic uh, literacy and numeracy. You'll see um, some of the groups there that happen um, there. Literacy is a huge problem Um, and once they've learned basic literacy and numeracy, they start savings group, groups where communities can work together to save money. It might be just through putting a handful of rice aside once a week that is pulled and sold and they, they begin to pull money and then um, draw on that money to begin income generating projects which begin to lift them out of poverty. So it might be buying a cow or growing a cucumber, what are those things? Or it could be buying a sewing machine or something like that which enables these people for the first time to generate, their in, generate income in a way that enables them to lift themselves out of poverty. And in the midst of this, relationships are established with our believers and people come to know Jesus and thousands of bee people have now come to faith in this way. And it's exciting. It's really exciting. One of these believers is uh, a fellow called Sawa who um, I'm privileged to call a friend today. Sawa, uh, amazing man and um, I know Robin and some others from here uh, met Sawa. He was out in uh, Australia earlier in the year. But Sawa has worked with um, Global Interactions develop, uh community development um, agency now for uh, around 10 years. Um, Sawa was from the local Muslim community and uh, became a follower of Jesus through the the morning study times and uh, prayer times and the relationship that he built with our staff members. Now what's not apparent on that photo, Sawa contracted polio himself as a 10-year-old and he's, he's permanently disabled. So the left side of his body is is, is almost completely paralysed. He can walk uh, with the aid of, of, uh, of a stick, um, 
but he has a, a significant disability. And while he was working with us, he developed a, um, a heart for working with other people with disabilities and he's been empowered to um, start the role as a disability support worker uh, in South Asia and he has done amazing stuff and and as he as he goes about his work he is now sharing the hope of Jesus with some of the most marginalized people in South Asia this is a guy who's had his life completely turned around through meeting Jesus and it's really exciting you know it's highly unusual to see a movement of bee people following Jesus like this. And we are hoping that this might just be the beginning of a great movement of bee people towards Jesus. But there's so much more to be done. There is a great need to have more people like Phil walking alongside the local believers discipling and encouraging them as they seek to follow Jesus in this very challenging part of the world. So I wonder, how do you at Freeway Baptist respond to this? You know, there's no evidence that Paul actually ever made it to Spain. He may well have. Someone took the gospel there at some point. All we have here in Romans is an opportunity and an invitation to the Roman church to partner in this work. So how do you respond to the opportunity before you amongst the bee people of South Asia? wonder if God has been doing anything in you. You know, your partnership in this work is a, a big encouragement and it's significant. I've been encouraged by the financial support for Phil which enables him to stay there and do this work. But you know, the greatest need, as, as we see it at least, is for more people to join our team there. So could I, could I encourage you this morning to pray. Pray for this work. Pray for more workers. Would you even dare to pray that someone from this church may one day go and join the team there? You know, my church, Kyneton Baptist Church, has been partnering with this work now for around 10 years. And right now, after 10 years, we have a couple who are discerning whether God may be calling them to go to South Asia. So you never know what might happen. We need people who simply have a heart for sharing Jesus with people who haven't yet had the opportunity to hear about him. And we can use any skills, just about. Certainly we need people in health, education, business. 
who would go and work with our team there. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into his harvest field. And who knows what God may do to answer that prayer. How many lives may be transformed through the gospel in answer to that prayer? Well, let me just lead you now in prayer. Thank you. Our God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that, Lord, you uh, made yourself known to us, that someone shared the good news of Jesus with us in our own language in a way which makes sense to us. And we thank you, Lord, for that just mystery that, um, that you call us to partner with you in your mission in the world. And Lord, we each know that we have our own part and each part is different. Lord, we just pray that you would lead us by your spirit, that we might know what your call is upon our lives and the part that we have to play. We pray that you would empower us by your spirit too, Lord, that we may have the courage to follow you in the places where you call us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.